Hello, everyone. It's G3. And on today's episode, I am going to be speaking with Weiss's CIO and president, Jordi Visser, to get his take on next year, a.k.a. 2023. We'll talk inflation. We'll talk recession. We'll talk the Fed. And we will get Jordi's outlook on equities. So please check important disclosures at the end of the episode, sit down by the fire, and get ready for Jordy's perspective look on the year to come. And with that, welcome. Hello, Jordy. How are you? Hi, G3. I'm doing excellent today. Are you? Yeah. I'm, I mean... Let's probe that here before we get into the main topic of the day. When you say you're doing excellent, I am assuming that means you had a good sleep score. Actually, I continue to, uh, I would say, uh, dominate a sleep time. So, yeah, it wasn't the highest number I've had, but it was 87. But the uh, internal analytics were uh, were very good. Not bad. I clocked in an 86. I was very happy with that. Oh, your numbers seem to be progressing upward. Yeah. You know, I bottomed in the seventies, but I've been making a nice move upward and I think I'm ready to break out. Well, that's good. It's it's good to base around a number for a while and make sure, but you were going to bed so late and getting up so early so many days as your sleep rhythm. You probably haven't gone through all the analytics yet. That's sleep rhythm, the rhythm of consistency. I score way above the 90s in that. I go to bed almost the same time every night and wake up almost the same time every day. Yeah, I think that's what's keeping me out of the 90s. I need to be more consistent on that. No, there's resolutions to come. There's always next year, right? Exactly. All righty. Well, we're at the end of the year, as you know, and you've made reference to this in the morning meetings several times. We have all of the 2023 Outlook papers coming out, Howard Marks, many others, Some of them are very enjoyable to read, some not so much, but I want to get a sense from you as we spend time on the core topics as it relates to 2023, the R word, of course, being a big one, recession or no recession. I want to just first check in with you and talk about what has gone on since the last market update and Where are things looking for you as we now round the final stretch of 2022? All right, let's just go through this month because we're still, quote unquote, data dependent and everyone is focused on the inflation prints as they come out, the payroll numbers. The reality is December is going to end in a way where the inflation numbers continue to be on the weaker side. They've been that way since starting in in July. So the last five months of headline CPI is still tracking at below 3% and, you know, tips out two years are yielding 2.2%. So the last five months headline CPIs come down to a level that matches up with where two-year tips are or fairly close. At the same time, gas at the pump continues to drop lower. But the market, as you mentioned, seems to be making a transition more towards the narrative of recession. It's the end of the year, which means that I'm spending most of the time around these two weeks. I don't usually travel Around the holidays, I like the quiet time and I spend time writing my end of year paper and thoughts on what's coming up. And there's a lot of outlook papers that are coming out now. And I'm asking all the portfolio managers here to spend time on it, mainly because as much as I hate one year outlooks, this year was very similar to 2020 in one aspect. 
2020 was about surprises, massive surprises, obviously the pandemic, but I think more it was how quickly the recovery happened and how quickly the recovery in both the economy and stocks happened because of the massive amount of printing. Well, this year's surprises for everyone, including myself, which is the main part of this year that caught me off guard, was the fact that I never would have expected the Fed to be ending the year at the level of short-term rates that they are. And at the beginning of the year, there was about 75 basis points of tightening built in. So this was another year of surprises. It was basically the unwind of the surprises of 2020, with 2021 being kind of a back and forth year that didn't have the same kind of surprises. It was just the reopening in between. So now we're going forward. And I think the reason Outlook papers are important, I read one from my friend Henry McVeigh this week. I think as an investor, and since I spend so much time with long-term investors, I don't think next year is about surprises. If we get a recession, which I'm sure we'll talk about, I don't expect it to be much. So I don't think it should be a focus. I think we're going from narratives to actual data on company selection and credit selection. You are starting the year off in a completely different situation than what happened between 2010 and 2019. And I think all investors need to adapt to a world where interest rates absolutely will be higher, regardless of whether we have a recession or not. And regardless of whether inflation continues to decline at the pace it is, rates for next year are not going to change as much as they did this year. You mentioned you don't think that the recession should be the focus, but it seems like a lot of other strategists out there are very much fixated on the narrative of recession. When's it going to come? How bad is it going to be? What is your take on the consensus for a recession for next year? So let's go to roots. I'll talk about some funny stuff with Twitter on that point. So a recession at this point, based on everything I've read, all the numbers, where strategists are predicting the S&P to be down next year, we've got at least a 70% chance of a recession built in by all the prognosticators. And part of that is because the Fed has openly said that it's probably going to take a some sort of recession to bring inflation down to their 2% inflation target. And if they want to get to 2% by the end of next year or by the end of 2024, I think they will have to have a serious recession. I just don't think you can get down and stay down there. Could you get there for a year? Yeah, we could have enough of a slowdown that it goes down. So really, it'll come down to what the Fed actually wants in the third year of an election cycle, which is historically a great year for stocks. So I'm kind of leaning towards the point that the narrative of recession is not going to matter for this year. But I've said this repeatedly on this, and I will just make sure that people understand because the Twitter world wants a recession. The majority of people, and I know this because if I send out a chart with negative stuff, the amount of followers I get, the viral nature of it, people <laughs> like to talk about recessions and bad stuff. If I put anything out positive, then it's not the likes that I get. Then I get a tax. And I think it's funny because it's a way to judge sentiment. And the majority of people on Twitter believe there's going to be a recession. And I would say they're actually rooting for it. I just don't think we're going to have it because to me, to have a recession, you need to lose one and a half percent of jobs based on history. That would mean we'd have to lose two million jobs. And I don't think people pay attention enough to this. But the last six months, we've created two million jobs. So normally what happens before you lose 2 million jobs is you start to go sideways for a bit of time and then the recession kicks in as people start losing work. I just find it hard to believe that 
at an election year coming up in 2024, presidential election, that in 2023, we're not going to follow the old path, that they'll find some way to be talking about the stimulus that will be coming after the election, whatever the case is, to help people out, because you're going to have the bottom end of the income brackets that are going to be suffering the most from what's happened with interest rates. And so I do think we're going to see a significant slowdown next year. And nominal GDP will come down from the eight to nine percent range where it spent most of this year. And I do believe we'll get down into the four to five, anything above five. And you're going to have a strong year of real GDP. I think it's more likely we'll get down to four to five and at four to five. You're not going to have an earnings drop off of the magnitude that people are expecting. So even with the Fed's hawkishness, even with the surprise move out of the BOJ, even with all of the other things happening on the China front, Ukraine, Russia, notwithstanding all of that, it sounds like you have a fair bit of respect for the fact that in a third year of a presidential term, magical things happen to help elevate asset prices because the election is right around the corner and politicians want to be reelected. Well, that's one of the reasons why this year I just wouldn't be too negative on the U.S. economy. For China, you're going to have an increase in growth. It's just a question of when it starts. I'm targeting Chinese New Year, as I think a lot of people are, that that will be the bottom, mainly because of COVID. They're already easing the COVID side, and I don't think people should minimize that because that is a change. So if you're looking for a change that has occurred, the Chinese government is pivoting on a zero COVID policy. There are people that don't trust it, not going out as much. There's going to be shortages of people going into work because of illness. But when we come out of that, which I think Chinese New Year will bring, and maybe because of Chinese New Year and travel, it doesn't happen until March. But I think once we get out of that, I think you have to look at China bottoming. And then with all the stimulus and things going out, there's going to be an impact. And I think from that point to the end of the year, China will be a positive I don't know what to think about with Europe. I think they're going to keep spending money, but they're not a growth thing the same way Japan's not a growth thing. So I kind of view this as as inflation's coming down and as the Fed certainty sets in and the dollar weakness happens to offset the rate hike, which is what has been happening now for the last few months. This is providing enough stimulus to keep us out of a recession. And then the final thing, which I will just keep referencing because we don't know the answer. I mentioned 2020. We raised rates higher. Everyone who's negative is focused on things like housing and the fact we've never not had a recession with this kind of housing fall, which I agree. But we also had a juicing that happened in 2020, and there's still an excess of over $1.5 trillion of M2 relative to the nominal GDP increase. And no one talks about it the same way they didn't talk about the amount of money printing in 2020 when it was a good time to be thinking about inflation. I just think going forward, the inflation coming down is probably the biggest thing people should be focused on for next year. And so that supports your view that U.S. equities will have this upward grind, this two steps higher, one and a half step down market. Can you talk a little bit more about how you think that plays out and the attractiveness of U.S. equities versus equity markets in other countries. Yeah. And again, I the Howard Marks piece, I think, starts it off well, where there's an enormous demand for yield for retirees. The demographics favor less risk taking. By moving the Fed funds rate up towards 5%, you've taken high yield returns up to 7 8%. Well, 
there are insurance companies and pension funds that have said to me, if we ever see this again, we're going to be moving massive amounts of money into there. And so as long as rates are up at those levels, I think equities are going to have a hard time moving higher in any kind of definable way. And I think we're seeing that inflation is coming down. Real two-year rates are not coming down yet, meaning that two-year rates have stabilized at the levels they are, but inflation expectations have come way down. At some point here, either the inflation market is wrong or honestly, the Fed is wrong. The Fed is expecting inflation to stay higher. So as the inflation data continues to come out, and I think it will continue to come out on the softer side, mainly because the economy is slowing on every measurement I can possibly see. There's not one thing now that I see that doesn't show the economy slowing. Doesn't mean there'll be a recession, but it does mean the economy is slowing. And I think stocks will start to bottom and see some kind of a move. I've definitely lost any kind of appetite for U.S. And that's why I say two steps up, one and a half steps down. You not only have the rate side, but one of the other things things. And we talked about this recently. It's the tech weighting. Tech is just such a big part of the S&P 500. And with higher rates, I just don't think people have made the adjustment to the fact that technology as a sector, people need to move out of it and move into others. And for every dollar you sell of Apple, $2 trillion company, the energy sector is still less than $2 trillion, the entire energy sector. That miss market cap weighting, which was created during the prior decade of low inflation and low growth, zero interest rates. That's what Howard Marks writes about. He doesn't specifically get into the tech side, but he does get into value. Tech is not value. And there may be parts of it that people see as value, but the reality is you're going to be in an environment where recession is going to be on the table because growth is slowing, inflation is coming down, rates are stuck at higher levels, you have an overweight in tech. And so the great rotation, I tweeted this today, Acqui all country world index XDUS relative to the S&P so far this month is up over 5% for the second month in a row. The last time we saw 5 plus percent outperformance of the rest of the world relative to the US was 1993, which happens to be the year before Netscape's IPO or the beginning of WWW. So I happen to believe the US tech dominance is now being spread across the globe and the paper I'm writing for the end of the year is focused on this. So did FinTwit view your tweet as a positive or did you get a lot of hate because that was deemed to be a negative? I haven't looked at the responses. I've been in here with you, G3. I sent it out before. Actually, I have no idea because it's a positive on one end. It's a negative on the other. I don't know. Have you signed up for Mastodon yet? (laughs) No, but I am using it in the paper and I think people are going to have to adapt to a world that, as Mark Andreessen called it, the C, you know, he did an interview where he described it as the ABCs, the next innovation, artificial intelligence, biotech, and crypto. I think people should pay attention to the guy who started this whole thing with Netscape. And listeners, that's what you call a teaser for not only the paper, but for next year's episode. Love teasers on. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's talk about surprises for next year. What are some of your nominees for surprise of 2023? Well, the first one is the fact that I think people are underestimating what inflation is going to look like for all of next year. People are calling for recession next year, which we don't have yet. We've had nominal spending at over 8% annualized over the last three months. If that number were to come down, I don't see how people think there's going to be more inflation. That would be the biggest surprise. And again, like I said, we printed a lot of money in 2020. We got a massive stock market recovery, which no one forecasted. We continued that recovery into 2021. We had the GameStop situation. The speculation was rampant. You've got 
all the Reddit crews involved and everyone's wondering if this is the beginning of some new retail thing. And basically since then, you got the massive unwind of the stock market going higher because inflation went higher and rates went higher. Well, I believe it's more likely that inflation surprises on the downside next year than the upside. And the fact that people are still talking about it and writing about it when they say there's going to be a recession, there's a missing point here. Now, if inflation does go down, and let's assume next year we get headline inflation down to 2 to 3%, which is effectively where I think it's very likely it should be, you're going to have a very weird situation if you don't get a recession. So if you get a 2 to 3% and it's kind of declining all year, I'm not saying rates are going to go down a lot because unless the Fed changes, when you're up near 5% on Fed funds, you're going to need the Fed to shift. And I don't think we're going to have a recession. So I think rates will be stuck at that higher level. So if inflation comes down and the economy doesn't go in recession, then that means to me another big surprise will be earnings per share does not collapse, which most people at this point think will. Housing does not lead to a recession, which most people think will. Jobs are created next year, not lost. I think you're going to see a slowdown in that. And maybe we create one job next year. But the fact that people are expecting a recession means they're expecting at some point next year, we're going to start losing 100 to 200,000 jobs a month because that's what it would mean. I don't see that happening. And I don't see any data yet that says it's going to happen. So I'm going to leave it as inflation comes down faster and people are underestimating the benefit that gives to companies because we've never seen inflation go from the levels it was back down to something lower. And I actually happen to believe it'll stay towards the three to 4% level, which is a lot better than where we've been this year. So I think the inflation stuff is probably the biggest surprise. So your big surprise is next year won't be so bad. (laughs) Yeah. I also don't think it'll be great because we will have a slowing economy after years of people leasing cars and you wondering how can a person, they can't make enough money to buy that car. And then you realize, well, they've been borrowing money on that car. A lot of those leases are going to come due. And to go get another car now, the rates are much higher. To go buy a house, the rates are much higher. Commercial real estate. I mean, people were investing in real estate funds because we had 0% 10-year rates negative around a lot of the globe. Commercial real estate can't possibly be strong going forward. So you're going to have kind of the bigger parts of the economy, the real estate sector on both the housing and the commercial side, the auto side. So the big things, you're just not going to have strength there. And so unless we get a serious recession to where the Fed would turn down, I think this is a global problem. I think you're going to see real estate just be soft and how that translates into things for people. We'll have to see how it goes. I just don't think it's going to turn into a recession. I'm going to check with the chat GPT on it, see what they have to say about it. Oh, yes. Open AI. Very, very very fun uh, three weeks of that stuff. Another teaser, our audience for next year. All right. Well, to finish up here, I know you don't do New Year's resolutions, but you most definitely have a fair number of health and happiness goals. What are your goals for next year? Well, you put it perfectly. I don't do resolutions, but I do at the end of every year because I have more time. I really use these two weeks for a lot of reading and a lot of thinking just because you don't have work the way you normally do, meaning it's a lot more quiet. There's no volume. There's not as many meetings. People are out. And the health and happiness side is something that I believe goes a long way towards making the next year a better So I put a lot of drastic changes in, I would say, to the health side this year. And next year, I have committed, I'd say, number one, to learning more about heart rate variability. I've become extremely interested in this concept of 
how your body shifts from relaxation mode to stress mode. I've meditated for years. I've obviously talked about breathing on here, but heart rate variability is, it's an interesting thing just because of the fact that these shifts go back and forth in your autonomic system. And it's very, very interesting to me how important it is to be able to go from a relaxation state to a stress state and back and forth and back and forth and how important that is to your overall resting heart rate and your overall health. So I'm going to learn about it. And then I will put into practice some more changes on my workout routine and try to target getting it higher and at least understand what makes it higher. And I'll probably get some more analytics other than just the aura ring. So you're all about HRV for 2023. I'm going to spend the time on HRV. All righty. On that note, pleasure as always, Jordy. Same here, G3. Happy holidays. You too. This podcast should not be reproduced, copied, distributed, or published in whole or in part. This podcast is presented for informational purposes only. The views expressed herein are subject to change without notice. Information in this podcast is based on data regarding current market conditions from sources believed to be reliable. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as investment, legal, tax, or other advice and should not be viewed as a recommendation to purchase or sell any securities or adopt any investment strategy. You should consult your own advisors regarding business, legal, tax, or other matters concerning investment. Any health-related information shared on this podcast is not intended as medical advice or for use in self-diagnosis or treatment. Please consult a qualified healthcare professional before acting upon any health-related information on this podcast. Please review related show notes for this podcast and visit www.gweiss.com to review related disclosures and learn more about Weiss.